0: All right, it's Chandra with the Contemporary Horsemanship Podcast. And today I want to talk about some of the methods of horse training I saw at the most recent Road to the Horse competition. So um, I just want to talk about a couple of, few of the things that I saw and discuss kind of maybe why they're doing it, kind of what's going on behind the scenes and kind of my opinion on it. So um, yeah, I just want to say that, I mean, the training is going to be how I see it based on training, but you know, at the end of the day, um, it's my opinion on training, even though it's going to be based in science, (laughs) but I just kind of wanted to discuss it because I think a lot of the time we see horse shows, horse competitions, whatever it might be. Um, like if they're on TV or if they're kind of like a big competition and we just kind of take it at face value. Um, so I think it's important to break it down and explain what's going on and then, see how we can improve it. So I talked a little bit and I've had a different podcast about just Road to the Horse in general or not even necessarily that competition, just a cult starting competition in general because I had seen one locally that was quite shocking and um, dangerous. Um, I know obviously that's not always the case, but obviously this is my opinion, so (laughs) you know... Um, But I'm definitely going to advocate for the horse as much as possible. And I don't think that these competitions do that at all. I think it's definitely masquerading as like we love horses and we want the best for them. And they can say that all day long, which they say many times during the competition. But the reality is that's not what's happening. Um, Like the training methods and just the competition itself is not based in anything that's benefiting the horse. I totally understand wanting to showcase your training abilities, want to showcase your skills, talk about horse training. And I get that someone thought that that was a good way to do it. But when you rush a horse in three days, which is not even three full days, which obviously would be bad for the animal, but three sessions, I think they're an hour and a half. So it's not three hours, it's like four and a half hours. But regardless you're rushing just to go and do this like obstacle course and like do all these things and I have also made a podcast about what I think about extreme mustang makeovers which is the same thing because obviously in these cult starting competitions it's usually gonna be quarter horses they're usually gonna be Pretty well-bred, pretty quiet, pretty laid back. Um, Obviously, Mustangs are going to be the complete opposite of that. Going to need a lot more time. But even with that 90, I don't even think it's 90, I think it's 100 days, 100 100 to 120 days, like that's way too much for most Mustangs. Um, And so then when you look at it this way, even though these horses are domestic, you know, it's a few hours and then you're putting all this pressure on them. And it's like, what, what's that for? You know, I get that it's a competition, but we created that, you know, humans created that for our own like entertainment, I guess. And, um, you know, it's, it's not doing any benefits for the horse. I could see how people would be like, well, it's benefiting me because I can see this training and this training and this training, and that's great, but there's different ways to show that. It doesn't have to be Let's do it all in a few hours and then push this horse through a course. Why can't we just, you know, at the bare minimum, just do, let's say we, we have the horses and we just kind of work where we can, you know, or we can just make a, a series of this journey. That's what I do with my training is like, this is a journey that we're on with the horse and I don't really care how long it takes you know, lots of people do, but I don't. Um, But I like to show how I got these behaviors, how I, how long it took and be realistic about it. And that's probably besides the, you know, not treating horses the best. um, What I don't like about those kind of competitions are, it kind of gives other people who maybe not have, don't have as much knowledge, the idea that Oh, we can do this really fast, or it doesn't take that long, or you know, it's it gives you a, a timeline that's not very realistic for most people because the people who are in these competitions, even at the local level, most of the time are professional trainers or have a lot of experience training, and you're still getting a lot of behaviors like rearing and bucking and bolting and like not good things, <laughs> things that like most clicker trainers or most trainers in general. Um, would definitely strive to avoid happening at all costs. And all of these things are happening. Um, I have watched this every year. I feel like it, it started with me being like, oh yeah, this is cool. Like I want to learn whatever. And then as I kind of grew through like, you know, with my horse training and with my knowledge, I was like, oh wait, um, <laughs> this isn't exactly what, you know, what I had thought it was originally. And I don't really like it and now. Like I don't enjoy watching it. I watch it to be like, what kind of things can we improve on? Because this is mainstream horsemanship, whatever method it is that you want to call it. It's all very similar, but this is the mainstream. How can we improve that? And that's why I'm watching it. And sometimes it can be very, very hard to watch. Um, I've pretty much stopped and I th- talked about this on a different episode, but I've pretty much stopped watching horse shows because of all of the fear and conflict behaviors and I just can't. I can't do it anymore. Um, I used to love that stuff, um, but I've grown and I'm like, wow, this is not healthy for the horses this, most of the time. Like you get the rearing and the bucking and the bolting and it's just a mess. Um, I'm not saying that happens with everything. That's not true. But the things that I see on like, that's most general to the public, it's going to be horse racing, which is just, and it's of itself just a giant disaster, um, with, you know, horses breaking down, horses dying, whipping, the whole Kentucky Derby thing that I talked about, it's just one mess after another, and, you know, that whole thing, because that's the most, that's what most people who are not horse people see, and then after horse riding, you see anything, it's probably rodeo. And then it's probably like Olympic kind of horse shows. So, and then you see a lot of conflict behaviors, obviously in rodeos, but also in show jumping, dressage, cross country, or not cross country, but three-day eventing, you know, like Olympic level stuff. That's going to be your most most prominent thing that you're going to see. So in those types of shows, I've stopped watching because I'm just like, oh my, like, I need to talk about the three-day eventing separately because of all the horse deaths and things. But that, you know, that scares me to watch because I don't want to see that. Um, But just, just the, like, fear and the pain and the, the stuff you see in the horses now when you can actually, like, read their body language is, it's hard to watch. So, um. But yeah, so basically I'm still watching these kind of competitions. I don't watch the local ones because I thought that was a bit too much for me. Um, I don't really want to pay money for that. But um, I watch this one occasionally because I want to see kind of what's going on and kind of see what we can do to improve, you know. Um, So yeah, that's kind of where I'm coming from. But I wanted to talk about some of the methods we have here. Not all of them are bad, but some of them are too much. Like it's just too much. Um, And I know during the competition, everyone's like, well, we're all doing something differently. No, you're not. It's pressure release. It's negative reinforcement. There's possibly some punishment going on in there. Um, So, you know, at the end of the day, when you look at it through like a scientific lens, it's the same. Um, No one's out there feeding their horse cookies. And I get that because people who are doing that um, are probably not going to be doing these competitions because we don't usually care about them. So... First thing that I saw a lot with, and that really, I mean, all of this bothered me, but um, chasing with flags. I, you know how I feel about chasing horses around. And yeah, I used to do that, but then I learned, and then I was like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't do that anymore. So I understand they're trying to get the horse to go forward. But what I saw was a lot of like, you know, moving the flag, chasing the horse with the flag. The horse goes forward, and the flag doesn't stop. So if you're going to use negative reinforcement, you would apply the flag so you'd start waving it and then you would continue waving it until that horse goes forward and then you would stop waving it. But a lot of the, these trainers did not stop waving it. They continued to wave it even though the horse was now trotting or cantering. And then that kind of morphed because now you're not releasing, the horse doesn't understand what it is that you want. Then those behaviors morphed into the horse with kicking out at the at the people very close, so very dangerous because your flag is not that long. They had maybe four, five inch like stick, whip, whatever that flag was on. Um, pointed the hips at the at the person. So again, that's going to be like a precursor to kicking in some horses. Or they're getting that hip ready and then they're going to kick you. Other horses were full on already kicking. Um, that was something I thought at this level you wouldn't be doing. You'd be like, I, mean, I get that most people... Are not most people? Some people are using the flag still. I understand that, but applying it in a way that um, gives the horse the opportunity to respond. Because when you're using the flag and you don't release that flag, you know you're just you're just scaring the horse at that point. And the horse might have been scared before then, but you're not releasing and showing them what the answer was. You know, the the release of pressure is the whole the main part of this, you know, is when you apply it and then how, when you release it, that's what horses understand. And then, you know, some people do negative reinforcement really well, but this was not done really well. Um, and then the conflict behaviors of the kicking and stuff was, was very dangerous. And I, you know, I don't want people to think like, that's how you're supposed to use it. Um, I don't use one anymore, but if you're going to use it, you got to use it correctly, you know, and that was not the correct way to do that. So, and then obviously, since there was no, Release it all with this flag. It didn't work. And then I saw people chasing horses with tarps, and I was like, (laughs) that's not a great idea because obviously, like, chasing is not good. You don't want your horse to be running away in fear from something, especially something that you're going to have to walk over later because going over the tarp is. Part of their obstacle course, but even if it wasn't, we don't want horses to be afraid of us or the things that we use like flags or tarps or whatever it is, but you're gonna have some fear in there because you're creating a flight response, and that, that has to be in there for that response to happen so you know that that was something I hadn't really seen before it was just and they were like, oh yeah, it's a big flag, yeah, but you're just scaring your horse from something else um so yeah, it was that was interesting um I would definitely never advocate for chasing your horse with anything. Definitely not chasing with the tarp. If you're gonna use a flag, use it as gentle as possible. Barely you know, if you're gonna use negative reinforcement, wave it a little bit. When the horse goes forward, you stop. That's how you do it. You don't continue to chase them with it. You're just dulling out that aid. And then you're just chasing the horse at that point. And then these some of these trainers would get way too close to the horse, and then the horse is like, Well, I don't understand. I'm going forward. I don't know what you want. And then they're they're frustrated or they're afraid and they're kicking out and they're hitting the side of the round pen. And it's just, you know, it's a mess. Um, and then once the people were getting on, lots of kicking the horse to go forward, lots of hitting the horse with the lead rope or the end of the rein to go forward. And again, no clear release whatsoever. It was, and it was a lot of tapping with the whip or not with the whip, um, with the end of the rein. So essentially a whip, And then the horse would go forward and then they're still hitting the horse. They're still tapping the horse. So it's like, again, you're not releasing, you know, again, like if I'm going to use negative reinforcement, I'm going to ask my horse to go forward. I'm going to first use my legs. You have to sequence your cues. So I would put my leg on. This horse obviously is completely... Not ever been ridden, so he's not going to know what that means. Then maybe I'll use a voice cue, and then I'll, you know, if again, if I'm using negative reinforcement, then I might kind of swing my end of my rein a little bit, create some noise, and then maybe tap him on the hindquarters, and then I kind of would stay there because I don't want to escalate if I'm using negative reinforcement. And I would stay there until the horse moved forward and I would stop. And then I would resequence that again, but that's not what was happening. It was Let's go just right to hitting and the horse goes forward. Maybe there there might be a pause. Sometimes there was no pause and then more hitting. And so I thought that was, I don't like the the hitting with the whip. I know you can call it tapping or you can call it an aid or whatever, but you're hitting the horse with the end of the lead rope. That's just, or the end of your reins or whatever. That's what it it is, what it is, you know? And I used to do that kind of stuff. You know, I thought that's how you were supposed to work with horses, but we have to move on from that um, because there was so many conflict behaviors, and those horses were just scared, and it was just sad, um, yeah, it it was not great to see, but, so, yeah, so, lots of chasing with the flag, lots of hitting and kicking to go forward, with no releases, another thing was constant voice cues, so, again, you have to sequence your cues, if you're just always, like, doing that constantly, it, it doles out your cue, it's just, like, you know, most people, most horses don't listen to like just human talking. Like if I'm talking like this around my horse, they're not going to do anything because it's just a bunch of words that mean nothing to them. So like, if I want to condition a cue, I have to use it sparingly. It's just like teaching a dog. Like you don't say sit, 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 sit all the time. Some people do, but that's not how you're going to get them to sit. It has to be very specific and mean do this one behavior. Um, so you can't, you're just wearing out your voice cues. I saw that a ton. I don't know if that was just, you know, there obviously there's an audience and there's nerves and things going on, but still, um, you're not sequencing your cues right when you're just using your voice cues all the time. Um, and then the other part of that was again, some more fear for the rider going into this, but um using voice cues and kicking while also holding onto the horse's face. I saw that a lot where they're holding on with the reins and then kicking and using their voice cues so you've got the parking brake on and the gas. So, you know, again a lot of confusion for the horses. Um so many horses with tension, with fear, with flight or flight behaviors. Um I think I have I watched most of it. I I have not seen the last horse go, and I'm pretty sure that's the horse that won. But um, or the rider that won, whatever. Um, every other horse and rider team, besides the very first one, which I'll talk about later, every single one, the horse bucked at some point during the training and during the obstacle course the horse was bucking and that is something I strive to have never happen. Obviously things go wrong, it's whatever, you know, and you build the horse's confidence back up, but you really don't want that. Um, you for, for horses being started on a saddle, you want their first experience to be a good experience because just like when I'm talking about positive reinforcement, I'm like the first thing you teach them is going to stick with them the most. If that horse is bucking and afraid and trying to get that rider off and that's the first thing that they know, that is not good. <laughs> we want it to be a good experience. They enjoy being around people. They enjoy being ridden. And that was not happening at all. You know, it's a stressful situation just for horses to be in alone. So, like, just when they run the, like, remuda in, the herd of horses in, you can see stress behaviors already. So just taking those horses off their home, off the range, wherever they live, and bringing them into the Coliseum, or the arena, or whatever, is stressing them, and then you split them, and so they're each in their individual round pen, that stresses them more, and now you're applying all this pressure, so it's tons and tons of tons of stress on them, you know, and we just are like, oh, well, we're having fun, like, you know, and it's a, that was another thing, it was a lot of, um, oh, well, he's just like, It's just a lot of anthropomorphizing, like, where it's like, oh, he's just having fun or he's just looking at himself like there's a jumbotron. They're like, he's just looking at himself. No, he's afraid because there's something scary that he doesn't understand up there. And even, like, even if they continue to do this competition, I just want trainers to tell people the truth and be like, he's afraid. He sees this. He doesn't know what what it is. He's scared just tell people the truth, not, oh, look, he's just looking at himself, he doesn't know what that is, he's afraid, you know, like, that probably bothered me the most, and, like, if you've listened to this at all, like, you you know I talk about this, where it's, like, just let's be honest with what we're doing to the horses, um, and tell people what's happening, you know, because then we have the truth, it's not, like, some thing we made up to make ourselves feel better about it, you know, like, oh, he loves his job. Oh, he's just fresh. You know, (laughs) when you have all these conflict behaviors, it's just like, just tell him, tell him what's like actually happening, you know, like just tell him the truth. So um, back to things I have talking about here. Um, I saw lots of backing up without releasing the reins. So if you're going to use negative reinforcement. You got to release the reins. The one thing that I talked about in um, Mark Rashid's book that I loved was he's so light and he's so soft. And he had a story about a horse that didn't want to back up, I believe, or go forward. One of the two. And I think like in the beginning where he's talking like to the old man, that's what he calls him. um, He, the old man's like, Oh, let me show you how to do it. And he's just very, very light with the horses. That's what negative reinforcement needs to be. Um, They were just, instead what was happening was they pull on the reins, the horse would back up and they keep pulling until they got the amount of steps that they wanted. But it's like, Okay, if we look through this through scientific term, um, you're pulling, you're applying pressure, the horse is backing up and that pressure does not go away. So the pressure does leave when the horse has stopped and is standing still. So what are you releasing at that point in time? What are you telling the horse that you want more of is the standing still. So then when you go back to try this behavior again, the horse is standing still and you have to use more pressure. So what we need to do instead is apply a little bit of pressure, wait for the horse. When you start shifting that weight back, Like, go. Obviously, that's going to take longer. Like that's the whole problem that I have with these competitions is it takes time. And that's not a bad thing. You know, that's a good thing. We want to have these relationships with our horses and take our time and teach these things properly. They're not dirt bikes. They're not four wheelers. We need to be able to communicate with them. That's why I love horses. It's because I've always wanted to just communicate with animals and like have this relationship and this bond with them. And I think that's what most people want. Maybe not everybody, but most people. And we completely lose that when we get our minds just stuck in like a competition or a time frame. And I've done that, you know, like everybody does that, but it that, kind of all of that goes out the window. So anyways, um, Another big thing was getting on horses who are clearly not ready to be ridden. So one thing I do want to say real quick is I think we can definitely learn something from these competitions. Um, I don't love them. Um, I don't think they're going to go away right away. But looking at like the audience, um, it's mostly old people. Um, I don't know if that has something to do with mindsets. Like kind like how we think about training now and maybe hopefully what I'm hoping is that younger people or people getting into horses are like okay we want to do things a different way or if it's just purely a money situation and it's like it's just expensive to go which is a possibility as well but what I'm hoping is that eventually they they will just kind of be like die out and be like this isn't really something that we want to do anymore which is I think is what's happening um but what we can get from these competitions is the things I'm talking about now is like, let's look at it and be like, how can we do better? Just that's what I've talked about with horse racing and with horse showing and stuff. Like we got to do things better. Like we just do. So yeah, that's kind of like all these things I'm saying. Like if you want to use negative enforcement, that's perfectly fine, but let's do it correctly. So the next thing I want to talk about was, oh yeah, the getting on the horses who are clearly not ready to be ridden that was a big thing um they're spinning around they don't want to stand still to be saddled um the the rider's getting on and the horse is moving and you know any form going forward spinning around backing up whatever all those signs are saying that horse is not ready he is afraid of you getting on him he is not ready to be ridden that's another dangerous thing is that people might see this and be like oh well you know this horse moved around for this famous trainer or whoever it might be oh, I think it'll be fine if I do it at home, but you could definitely get hurt doing that. So, and obviously you can get hurt with horses pretty much at any point in time, but it's really dangerous to get on a horse that's not ready to be ridden. And those, all those behaviors are telling you, he's telling you that he's not ready. So we should definitely not ignore them. Um, the other thing was lots of bucking, lots and lots of bucking. And what I found the most unfortunate about that was the cheering, the crowd would be quiet most of the time. And toward the end, like once they did like certain obstacles and stuff, they would, the crowd would cheer and be like, oh, well, well you know, yay, you've accomplished something with your horse and that's fine. But I found it really disappointing that the crowd was cheering for horses bucking. Um, I think that's just something the culture needs to change around that because that's not funny that's not cute. That's not entertaining. That's really sad. Um, I don't want a horse to ever... Like, obviously, it's completely different if the horse is out playing. And there's no saddle and stuff like that. Then they're just having a good time with their friends. But we got to think about the context here. They're not doing those things. They're afraid. They're scared. They've been saddled and put in this different environment for the first time. And they're scared, you know? And that's that's just not something that I want to cheer about, let alone see. So... That was probably one of the most disappointing things about the whole thing was that. Was they were like, yay, look at that that horse buck. Oh, look, you can stick on him. And, like, lots of people got bucked off, actually. And that's just dangerous. It just is. You know, there's no no other way to say that. So, um, yeah. So, (laughs) I was really disappointed about that. Um, Okay, so I do want to talk about the first guy. I don't remember their names. It doesn't really matter, honestly. If you want to watch it, you can. Um, But... I did appreciate this first guy. So he came out and he was like, my horse is not ready to go through those obstacles. And I, I was like, yeah, that is good. Like if we're going to keep doing these competitions, which obviously in my opinion, I don't think we should, but you know, some, I don't have control of the whole world. So um, if we do, I would prefer them happen like this. Like he worked with this horse and he was like, This horse isn't ready. I, I don't need to put that much pressure on him. He's not ready. He's, I think they're three or four, maybe. I'm not sure. I think they're three. Um, he's got all this whole life ahead of him. It would just scare him and push if I push him there. And I was like, That is what we need more of. So I applaud that guy. He was just, he kind of got on his horse on the round pen. He realized that this was not good for the horse. He was not ready whatsoever and he didn't make him do it. And I thought that was really awesome. So that was probably one of the best things I did see. Um, I did see a lot of frustrated horses, lots of pawing, lots of rearing, um, not biting, but even though they had like, um, loping hack or a halter or whatever, um, lots of like open mouths, lips like scrunched up, just Swishy tails, really frustrated horses. So I I think if you want to learn about horse body language, stuff like that, definitely watch it and look at those stress behaviors. They're all of them are happening in this competition. And that that's one of my big things that I talk about with the racing and the showing and stuff is let's look at horse body language and actually see the truth. Not, you know, he's just playing, he's having fun, whatever. No, they're stressed out. Like, let's see it for what it is. Like, they're rearing, they're bucking, they're running. Um, They've got their mouth open. Their eyes are huge. Their base is tight. Their neck is tight. They're moving around. Like, there's all of these behaviors that show us that they're scared or they're frustrated and a combo. You know, there's lots of things that are going on with that. So, let alone that this is just a, a horrible first experience for any horse. Um, I have taken my sweet ass time with my horses. Obviously I have other things going on, but I try to make every little step that I take good and positive so that they want to do it again and not just scare the crap out of them. Because I've talked about this in many other episodes where the they associate what's happening with everything around them. They have to, in order to survive. And so like, if you chase them around the round pen, the horse probably, you probably won't be able to catch him again because he's associating you with fear and pain and whatever it else might be. And then he's not going to want to go in the round pen anymore. And then, you know, there's all this association that happens. So, like, when you use positive reinforcement, it's the opposite. So, they want to be with you. They want to wear the saddle. They want to go into the round pen. So, um, those associations are always going to be there. That classical conditioning it's always happening. So... Um, This could be a really bad first experience for these horses. Now, these horses are really well-bred. I totally get that. So they're probably, you know, not going to be to the point where it's like, "Oh no, we've messed this horse up for life." I could definitely see that with some other horses, but that's not really a free pass to just do whatever you want with the horse. We kind of have to recognize that this is not good. We got to take it slow, take our time and and give a good start to this horse cuz these horses are three. You know, hopefully they live for another at least 20 years, if not many more. And why are we running? Why are we rushing, you know? Especially now like we don't need to break the horse as fast as possible so we can like ride to our jobs or to school like that's just not the world we live in anymore and that's good so you know that's just one of those things um the other thing <laughs> i think i've talked about multiple times is you can't catch the horse the truth comes out when the halter comes off or something like that that pat pearly says the, the only thing that i like that he says uh that's the truth um when that halter comes off that lead rope, that neck rope, whatever, that horse was loose. There's the truth. What is he doing? Can he catch him? Can he not go anywhere near him? That's how he really thinks about you. So, um, and most of them could not be caught. I know some of the, there's a couple horses that are really just chill. They're just calm. They're like, whatever, this is fine, which still have a lot of stress behaviors, but they did allow themselves to be caught. Um, again, that's going to be a lot, a huge part of that is going to be the breeding. But yeah, you're, you're not going to see that with the majority of other horses because these are expensive horses. So, but yeah, the, most of them couldn't be caught. So yeah, that's a big warning sign. If your horse is not letting you catch them, like why, what is their experience? Try to look at it from their point of view. What is it for, what is in it for them when you work with them? So Oh, a big part of this. I just kind of like made little points as I was watching this and like working on other stuff. Um, this one person was nearly click kicked. He was trying to saddle. Well, again, the horse wasn't ready. He was moving around and it was, you know, the final. So you got to hurry up and do whatever you got to do. Um, he almost got kicked cause he's trying to like put on the back cinch and he's trying to kick at the back cinch. That was another thing. Um, just a lot of dangerous behaviors. Um, that are completely normal for horses, obviously, but can be very dangerous for horses and people. Um Yeah, um, the last couple of things that I have here was how is this a good first experience? Like I talked about a little earlier. Was I was toward the end it kept getting like just more and more and more. And I was like, oh my gosh, how is this good? You know, how is this something you want to teach your horse for the first time? You know, like that. I want every experience, it, as much as possible, I want a good experience. I know that's not how it works, but I'm not going to purposely make it harder on my horse, you know? Um, and then I, I put, why are we rewarding pushing our horses for our own gain? Which, you know, people kind of suck. Um, I've definitely sucked in the past. I've tried to suck less, but um, yeah, I don't like that. Like, it's hard when you put in... Animals with money and prizes and time frames and like all these human things um, that makes it tough um I don't think we should get a completely get rid of showing or like any form of competition, but like I want to make it more like the first guy who was like my horse isn't ready, and that's totally fine like it's not that big of a deal and most people most of us when we're showing like we're showing for like a ribbon it's not millions of dollars, and even if it was, we should take the um, um, where our horses mentally and physically into account before that. So that's kind of the culture change that we need is like m- the f- horse comes first. And I tried to do that when I showed a lot was like, I was happiest, not all, like it wasn't the best time when I won a blue ribbon. It depends on the horse. Like I had a couple horses where it was like, They were trained. They were quiet. They were fine. Like, they were going to win. It's fine. And that's great. But the most rewarding things for me was, like, one time I got sixth place, but that horse tried so hard for me and like he had improved and he was calm and quiet and our training and our communication was just like way better than it was before. And I remember that was like the highlight was like we did it and like he did it and he was comfortable and like it was more about like what is a big milestone for this horse versus like what color ribbon I get, you know? So um (laughs) so one of the horses toward the end, um during the obstacles, he, the horse had bucked and spun and reared and was just not having it. He was, I think he was kind of away from the gate. So he was afraid he wasn't near the other horses. He's in this big arena. There's a lot of scary obstacles. He doesn't trust the person who's working with him. And the trainer referred to this as he was just detoxing. He was just trying to get it all out of his system. I'm like, no, (laughs) again, let's tell the people the truth. He's afraid. He's just afraid. There's a ton of stressors happening to him right now. And he's just scared. There's no detoxing. Like he's not gonna be better now that he's run around. Like he might be tired. But he's not gonna be better in any way, shape or form. So that was kind of shocking to me. Um, And I've got two more things. So this isn't horribly, horribly long. Um, But standing on horses I think is ridiculous. There is no need to ever stand on a horse. And it's obviously very dangerous because you're standing up, so now you're much higher. It's just not necessary. I don't really understand why it's necessary or why people think that's cool or why that's cheered. I, I just didn't really get that. And then the other last thing that I noticed was pretty much every horse was just covered in sweat. Well, my horses work, even like in the summertime. They're never covered in sweat. And I get it. If you have a horse that you're showing and competing and you need that horse to be fit, I get that. That's different. But when you're training a horse and they're completely lathered in sweat, it's like, what is, why is it so hard? You know, every time, ever since I switched to positive reinforcement, I've had the best time with my horses. I'm happier, I'm a lot less frustrated, the horses are, I'm not running around covered in sweat, sometimes I'm covered in sweat, just, it's just hot, but my horses aren't, they're never lathered in sweat, they're never exhausted and scared, and, like, you know, it's just a completely different world than this one, and I was kind of surprised, because I hadn't seen that in a long time, you know, um, that they were just, like, completely just drenched, so, um, those are kind of my, my rant really, but the learning experiences that hopefully people can take away from that and grow and like change the culture of the horse world. So, you know, again, this is just my opinion. Everybody can have an opinion. Um, but those things, those training things and the equine body language, you know, that's just the science of it. Um, and I just think that the horse world needs to change a bit. Um, if we don't, other people are going to change it for us, you know, like that's just how it is. So, you know, obviously there was a lot of ranting going on, but it's hopefully there was some learning (laughs) mixed in there too, so that we can learn and kind of grow from these experiences and, and, and try to do right by the horse and, and, uh, make their lives better. So